Welcome to BLHQ. I'm Stella Chu. And I'm Jenny Belly. This is our weekly podcast breaking down the Dame web novel, Heaven Officials Blessing, written by MXTX. We deep dive a few chapters at a time and discuss themes, cultural backgrounds, and our overall reactions. Spoilers abound and screaming will be had, so you have been warned. <laughs> a summary of last week's episode, Hua Cheng confronts Qirong, and it is revealed that Qirong is actually Xiaolian's cousin, and that Qirong mm-hmm. and Prince Anlei are the true culprits behind the gilded banquet that massacred all the Yongan royals. Long Chancho falls into despair after learning the truth, having been betrayed by his best friend and lied to by his Guoshi. Shelion is devastated because he wanted to take the blame and keep Lan Chancho innocent and optimistic. Lan Chancho tortures and kills Qirong, but it turns out that it was only a clone. So Lan Chancho vows to find and kill him. Shelion and Hua Cheng are talking about whether or not it was better to reveal the truth when Shi Qing Shuan and Feng Shen suddenly appear. We're on chapter 55 now. In the cannibal lair, Ghost King faces heavenly officials. In the previous episode, Xin Chuan tells Hua Chen to let go of Xie Liang and that burning uh, that the burning of his manor was an accident. Xie Liang doesn't know whether to laugh or cry and is about to correct Xin Chuan and explain that Hua Chen actually didn't come for revenge, but Xin Chuan is giving him signals to stay quiet. Xie Liang realizes something, but Xin Chuan is acting so that the heavens won't shit talk Xie Liang. They'll think that he was kidnapped by Hua Chen as revenge instead of saying that Xie Liang ran away. Hua Chen can also see Xi Qingxuan's intentions and plays along, saying, Ju Wu set a spy under my eyes so that there's nothing to talk about. However, Xie Liang doesn't want to put up an act and says, All right, stop acting. He only came to the heavens to save me. San Long has good intentions, so why hide it? Just like how Hua Chen doesn't want Xie Lan to get blamed for everything, Xie Lan doesn't want Hua Chen to get blamed. Yes, but Xi Qingxuan says that she already sent her message and Hua Cheng's message to the communication array so they can actually drop the act. Even if there's good intentions, rumors will still spread and the situation will look negative, so they might as well be negative from the start. Hua Cheng agrees and says, you get it. Xi Qingxuan says, of course I get it. How else could I be so popular? So Xi Qingxuan <laughs> is literally like the master of molding public opinion. She really knows how to handle so- uh, social situations and like handle rumors, uh, which is how she like earned her popularity. <laughs> mm-hmm. Xi Qingxuan tells Feng Shen to lower his bow, but he's still aiming at Hua Cheng and says, your highness, the one next to you is a supreme. Just then, Xi Qingxuan clings to his arm with her big chest, and Feng Shen <laughs> immediately screams in fear and drops his bow, cursing, What the fuck? What the fuck are you doing? Xi Qingxuan shrugs like she didn't do anything inappropriate and says, What are you doing? Crimson Rain came to save his highness, and you still point an arrow at him? But Feng Shen is already backing away from her quickly and cries, Don't you dare do that to me ever again. Ever. Do you hear me? Fenshin <laughs> is so afraid of women. You so think that he's afraid. gay. He's so afraid. Yeah. It's amazing. Xin <laughs> <laughs> Qingxuan sees him backing away from her and feels kind of depressed and less confident in her beauty. Oh. Then he asks, where's Lan Qingcho? No one has heard from him since he got the correct dice roll. Huaten says he's chasing Qirong, the real mastermind of the Gilded Banquet. Feng Shen is shocked and relieved to hear this. Xin Qingxuan is overjoyed that Xie Lan wasn't the mastermind. 
Fenshin also learns that the green ghost Chirong is the same Chirong that is Xielang's cousin. Fenshin had never run into the green ghost himself and is actually shocked to learn that the ghost is using his real name and appearance instead of a fake one. Fenshin had always despised Chirong when they were humans, and Chirong was the son of Xielang's mother's younger sister. He grew up spoiled in the palace, clinging to Xielang and being really immature with an extreme personality. No one ever educated or punished him. Since Fenshin was Xielian's personal bodyguard, he saw Chirong quite a lot. Yes, and then the the book kind of goes into the backstory of Chirong and Xielian's relationship. So back in the past, uh, Chirong had idolized Xielian, and he often bragged that his cousin, the crown prince, was super perfect. He would literally beat up anyone that even slightly disrespected Xielian, no matter how old or young they were. One time, Xielian had to save a 10-year-old child that Chirong had beaten up very badly. And we just remember that this story happened, that this 10-year-old child was being beaten up by Chirong. But Xielian never disciplined Chirong because he was a royal. And so Chirong never changed. Um, and this is another reason why Xielian, he said earlier, he doesn't like it when people idolize him or put him up on a pedestal. And, and it's because Chirong used to do that and he turned out terribly. Mm-hmm. Um Fengxin was very straightforward and less patient than Xielian, so he always fought with Qirong and disobeyed his commands. So Qirong in turn hated Fengxin and always tried to get him in trouble or force him on doing stupid errands. After Xielian became a god, Qirong got even worse and would idolize him even more. If anyone's even spit in Xielian's temple, he would force burning hot coal down their throats. Wow, like, he was like obsessed, like a super stalker fan. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. Weird. Chirong's motivations as a character is very extreme. Yeah, yeah. He's just a really interesting character overall. Like, the way his character develops throughout the book is just super interesting. Xin mm. Xuan is surprised that they know Chirong personally and that he is Xielan's cousin. Xin Xuan says, Xielan is amazing that the martial gods of the Southwest and Southeast are his old friends. The martial god of the East, Lan Cho, was his student and the green ghost is his cousin and the crimson rain is acting like a brother and he... The Windmaster is his friend. <laughs> Amazing. Xielian smiles and thinks that, fitting for his title, Xinxin Xuan is like the wind that blows away the storm clouds. However, Huatsun frowns when he hears brother, and Fenshin <laughs> looks angry. <laughs> Fenshin says that Xielian should return to heaven and report what had happened. But Huatsun laughs and says, Why are you beating around the bush? Just admit that you don't want your highness associated with ghosts. Fenshin responds coldly, as long as you're aware he shouldn't be associating with ghosts. <laughs> Jeez, what a dad. I know, he's such a dad. Xielian tells Fengxin that he will report in, but first there are 300 humans in the cave that need saving, and there's also many ghosts that need to be taken care of. Fengxin says that he will take care of it, and Hua Cheng remarks that with heaven's efficiency, it will be finished next month. Fengxin says, can you handle it in a second then? And they start glaring at each other. Xinqing Xuan and Xielian are wondering, like, do they have a grudge against each other or something? But Hua Cheng suddenly opens his umbrella and covers himself and Xielian. Xielian asks, why did you open your umbrella? And Hua Cheng <laughs> says, well, the sky is about to change. <laughs> Just as he says that, rain thunders down and Feng Xin is instantly covered in bloody rain. Xinqing Xuan was conveniently standing inside the cave, so she is totally fine. The rain that suddenly came also suddenly stops, and everyone is dead quiet, except Feng Xin, standing shocked, struggling to wipe blood off his face. <laughs> Hua Chen laughs as he closes his umbrella and says, How's that for show? <laughs> He's so yeah, petty. That's just- 
disgusting. Just oh blood God. rain everywhere. <laughs> I love it. Watson walks away and Shailan feels him leave his side and rushes after him asking, Salong, are you going back to Ghost City? Watson says, aren't you going back to the Heavenly Court? But if you want to follow me back to Ghost City, you're very welcome to. Shailan smiles and says he'll visit next time and help him rebuild his manor. Watson says, no need. You can just sit back and watch. <laughs> Shailan turns serious and thanks Watson for the matter with Lan Cho. He isn't sure if it was the right thing to do, but maybe it wasn't a bad thing either. Watson says, you think too much. Just keep doing what you want to do. And he waves his hand and disappears. Ah, uh, I love that. <laughs> Just do what you want to do. Like, he just wants Shailion to be happy all the time. Yeah. So that brings us into chapter 56, In Search of the Past, Retracing Steps to Mount Taisong. So Shailion feels courage after hearing Hua Cheng's words, and he stands tall. Xi Jingxuan tells Shailion that he's lucky to have met such a good friend. This is the first time Shailion has heard anyone tell him that he's lucky, and he smiles. Feng Xin is in the background, wiping his face, but he's totally miserable and still a bloody mess. <laughs> the three gods search the cave to put everything to bed, and then they return to heaven. When they arrive, they hear all the gods arguing, saying, Hua Cheng dare accuse heaven of sending a spy. How ludicrous. He can easily kidnap his highness. What if he kidnaps someone else? We can't let this go. And isn't it interesting how they suddenly turn like calling him the trash god to his highness. <laughs> Genwu is on his throne looking exhausted. The junior officials were sent looking around heaven to see how Hua Chen got in, but they haven't been successful yet. Xi Qingxuan asks which general is responsible for security this month. Isn't it neglectful that Hua Chen was able to get in under their watch? Paiming speaks up, I'm on duty this month. It was my oversight. Just then, Lingwen speaks up that she has news from Lan Qing Cho. He had said that the Gilded Banquet Massacre has an inside story and that he'll resolve the conflict with Shailan himself and no one should interfere. He also asked that Shailan not be banished. The gods are disappointed hearing this because they were prepared for a big fight and now they can't watch the drama unfold. Jin Wu tells Fenshin and Mu Qing to help Paiming strengthen security and dismisses everyone. As everyone leaves, Shailan hears them whispering that Shailan is actually someone significant. We should watch what we say. Even if he stirs up trouble, Jumu lets him go. Oh, I hate the gods so much. Like, they're just ass kissers. Yeah. Um, after everyone leaves, Shailan approaches Jinwoo and, and apologizes for causing problems. Jinwoo says that the only problem he caused was claiming that he was responsible for the massacre. Shailan reports to him the entire story, and Jinwoo responds, Shanla, in this matter, you really worked hard for nothing and pleased no one. And... <laughs> This line from Jinwoo really shows you how different Jinwoo is compared to Hua Cheng. Because mm. when Hua Cheng learns the truth, he supports Shen and comforts him. And Jinwoo does nothing but criticize him. Like, Hua Cheng is literally like, okay, you did your best. Like, no one could have done better. And Jinwoo is like, all that effort for nothing. So that's, oh. uh, yeah, it's a really big personality difference. So toxic. Yeah. Shalyan bows his head and then asks, did you really send the Earth Master as a spy? Jinwoo says yes, and that he did it because Hua Cheng sent a spy in the heavens first. News was reaching Hua Cheng way too fast, and he knew things that he really shouldn't have known. He sent Ming Yi to see who the spy was, but now he got caught, and it'll be impossible to know who that spy ever was. Shailan thinks no wonder he was sent on the mission. Only Shailan couldn't be the spy since he recently ascended. Everyone is possibly suspicious, even the Windmaster, Lan Qingqiu, or Fen Xin. 
Jinwoo tells Xiaodang that even if he thinks highly of Huaten now, he should still be wary and don't give anything away. To become a supreme ghost, one must experience unimaginable amounts of suffering and pain. When faced with such a calamity, one either ascends or is doomed to hell. The two supreme ghosts that emerge from Mount Taolu are Blackwater and Huaten, and they're both more terrifying than you think. Remember that Mount Tonglu is the mountain where many ghosts uh, every once uh, uh, enter every 100 years, and one can emerge as a supreme ghost. Over the years, only two have ever survived. Jinwoo doesn't know what Huaten's objectives are, but he knows too much about heaven, and that is disadvantageous. Xielan defends Huaten and says that he wouldn't do anything malicious. If he wanted to cause havoc, he would have done so already. If he didn't do anything before, he won't in the future. After talking some more, Xielan leaves the Great Martial Hall and looks at his palace. It has been sealed shut since the incident, with talismans forming a giant X at the door. Xiching Xuan has offered Xiaoyan space in his palace, but Xiaoyan decides to return to Earth and go to Mount Taisong. So Mount Taisong was once the cultivation center of the kingdom of Shangle, and at its summit was the Royal Holy Pavilion. Uh, we've mentioned this pavilion before, but here's some more information about it. It used to be an impressive cultivation school where Xiaoyan first learned cultivation, and later, after he became a god, it used to hold his most grand temple. The mountain used to be covered in red maple trees. Um, remember how when Xiaoyan first met Sanlong, and they were on that cart going through a forest with red maple trees this is like very similar to that when shanla fell the people burned the temple down and set fire to the entire mountain and all those trees burned down to ash the red maples never grew again and they were instead replaced with different trees and the scenery has never been the same from 800 years ago shaleon climbs that mountain and when he reaches halfway he feels tired and sits down to rest but suddenly a shadow comes crashing down from the tree above him i really want to see fan art of the royal holy pavilion mm -hmm. because i just yes. want to be able to like imagine it properly with all of the red maples the red maple is a really great um imagery like a imagery. yeah a motif that happens yeah. in the book and they give us some of it in the um anime with the ox cart scene but i want more i don't know if i sent you this youtube video um it was like a fan animation by melty and she actually drew some scenes like throughout the book and one of them was the scene where the the maple leaves on the mountain Kimmy. so yeah yeah it's really really good it's a really good animation 10 10 recommend yeah <laughs> Chapter 57, In Search of the Past, Retracing Steps to Mount Taichung. Xieliang moves to dodge the object. When he looks closer, he realizes that it's a swing that fell. In the past, Mount Taichung had swings installed on many trees, for training and for fun. When he was a kid, he used to visit with his parents and watch young trainees swing all over the trees in an exciting performance. That was when he first fell in love with cultivation, because it looked exciting and fun. As he climbs higher up the mountain, thorns rip at his clothes and skin, but Xielan doesn't notice. Eventually, he reaches the summit. There is a ruin of his there is a ruin of his temple, rubble on the floor, glass debris, and a broken old well. Yes, and we have to keep in mind this thing set for later on in the book because it's a big it's a big part of the story later. Xielan <laughs> goes to that well, which is dried up, and he jumps right in. There's actually an illusion spell on it, and he, instead of reaching the bottom of a shallow well, he falls several meters underground until he reaches the floor. He pushes several bricks on the wall in a certain order, and a short door opens on the side. Shelyon crawls through and uses his spiritual 
and uses his spiritual energy to light up pearls and diamonds along the wall and ceiling. He is standing in a great hall in an underground palace. It is the imperial mausoleum of Shanla. Shelion keeps walking until he reaches a simple crypt at the back of the hall. It is undecorated with only two coffins. In between the coffins is a mannequin of the crown prince wearing exquisite clothing and a golden mask holding a sword. On top of each coffin is a small golden offering plate. But the offerings they held are all rotten mush now. Uh, okay. Shailon cleans. Yeah, this scene is... You guys... Okay, well, let's just yeah. keep reading. We'll I, talk I, about I, it afterwards. You, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You and I are already feeling I'm it, feeling but it. the <laughs> viewers aren't yeah. feeling it yet. Shailon cleans the offering plates and reaches into his sleeves, but he finds nothing. He had a half-eaten bun, but had already given it to Huatan. So he says... Father, mother, I deeply apologize. I've forgotten to bring something for this visit. He sits down against the coffin and is quiet. After a while, he says, Mother, I saw Chirong. He didn't die. He turned into a ghost. I don't know how he lived these past hundreds of years. He's killed a lot of people, and now there are people trying to kill him. The heavens won't forgive him. I don't know what to do with him. But he is suddenly interrupted by the sound of soft crying. The sound is coming from the coffin he's leaning on. Xianyan joyfully says, Mother, is that you? But then he realizes it's impossible since his mother died 800 years ago, and she wouldn't have a grudge to have become a ghost. Xianyan gets up and opens the coffin, holding his sword function ready to strike. But inside is a young child, trembling in fear. Shelion's heart freezes as he lifts the child. His voice is panicked as he yells, Where is my mother? Where's my mother? What did you do with my mother's body? All that's left in the coffin is a black silk dress. This silk dress was made of special material that could preserve the corpse of a person for thousands of years. When Shelion pulls the child out of the coffin, he sees that there is nothing but white powder left on this dress. The body that was perfectly preserved had instantly become ashes. Shelion's mind falls to chaos and he holds his head in his hands and there's ringing in his ears. But he feels with his instincts that the feeling of an attack and he turns around quickly to grab with his bare hands a sword that was about to strike him. It was a sword that was on the mannequin. It looks like someone had snuck in, pretended to be the mannequin and waited for a sneak attack. Shailan breaks the sword in two and his hands are a bloody mess. He kicks the mannequin to the ground and steps on it. He removes the mask shouting, who are you grave robber? How did you get in? But the child cries out, Daddy! Shailan realizes that the child and the man under him look familiar. They're the two humans that Chirong almost ate in the cave. Shailan realizes that Chirong possessed the father's body, and he punches his jaw screaming, Chirong, get the hell out! I'm going to kill you! But Chirong just laughs as he spits blood. Cousin Crown Prince, what a joyous occasion. We meet again. Why are you so mad? It's not like you die from a stab wound. Ha ha ha. Chirong was able to get in the tomb because he's also a royal of Shenla. Xiaoyang continues to punch Chirong as he begins to cry. How had my mother treated you? And you treat her like this? How could you? Her body. But Chirong says, Auntie is long dead. What difference do corpses or ashes make? Here you are, tears and snot. Weren't you much tougher when you killed An Le? How two-faced? How can I treat her like this? You're the one to blame. This is your fault, you god of misfortune. You have the galls to come cry at the imperial tomb of Shan Le? Shelion stomps down hard on Chirong's chest, and Chirong screams and spits blood from his mouth. 
but he's excited that he's getting a reaction from Shaylion and he holds Shaylion's bloody boot as he howls. That's right. Just like this. This is more like you fight, kill, kill cruelly. Don't give me that faint saintly look. It's disgusting. The child crawls over and is crying. He doesn't understand what's going on. He thinks his dad is being trampled on and Xiaoyang is a violent demon. He tries to pull the boot from Chiron's chest and uses his hands to stop the blood coming out of his mouth. Xiaoyang calms down, realizing that the owner of the body is innocent. He points Fang Shen at Chirong and says, Get the hell out yourself or I'll pull your spirit out with your tongue. If you pull out a tongue from the root, you're able to pull out the attached haunted ghost. But Chirong knows it's an empty threat because there's no way that Xieliang would harm this human. Chirong even sticks his tongue out as a taunt saying, Go on, pull. Gonna kill me? Look, I crumbled your mother to ashes. Aren't you gonna kill me? The child cries harder, screaming, Don't kill my dad! Xieliang is shaking and feeling dizzy, but he can't kill Chirong. Chirong laughs and calls him a failure. Shaylion picks him up off the ground and punches Chirong over and over again, screaming, Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! But the more angry he is, the more happy Chirong becomes, want- wanting to drag them both into madness. He continues to pu- he continues to taunt and provoke Shaylion until Shaylion finally unsheaths Feng Shen and swings it down. Dun, dun, dun. <sighs> That's the Fuck. end. That's the end of book one. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, what a cliffhanger. Dude, the last like two episodes of this podcast yes. have been so intense. So and, dark. Like it's so dark. Yeah. Where what happened to all the cuddly gay shit that I, I know end up for? I know. We we started this podcast with like giggling and laughing and smiling and flirting, and now everything is like serious business, you guys. It's so dark. <laughs> yeah, I oh love but I, I do love how the way the author just kind of like plays with tone. It can go from such highs to such lows so fast so fast yeah. because y- you really don't like at, as soon as you think who Xieliang is he just like completely surprises you yeah. the depth of his character is crazy because yeah. he'll go from like a silly light-hearted guy who with like the thickest skin mm-hmm. to suddenly learning that he caused massacres uh yes. several times he um that has to deal with his cousin he's violent and cursing at his cousin and trying you know like he was this whole entire time he's never been violent he's avoided fighting and he even with his student he has avoided a duel but here he is just like beating the shit out of chirong like not giving a fuck yeah it kind of goes to show that sometimes you like even in real life sometimes you'll see somebody who acts like a saint on the outside but then you'll learn you know behind the scenes that yeah they they, you know they like are domestic violence or cheated or uh like did fraud or something and something kind of feels like that like the 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 author really tried very hard to make sure that shadan felt real yeah yeah he's not just like a a a picture perfect character he has like a lot of history and like Mm -hmm. shit he's dealing with and oh god the scene with his so much trauma fucking the 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 mausoleum with his parents oh my god that really that uh his lines really messed me up like i didn't include all the lines from the novel so if you're reading the novel like definitely read the entire thing so you get the Mm -hmm. full blunt of the emotions in this scene but jesus it's it was it was rough (laughs) 
Yeah, this scene was really rough. What's funny is that this is the first coffin scene in the book. There's also There's another many. coffin scene. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And um, the, the most popular coffin scene um, that like everyone on the internet talks oh, about, I uh, assumed the horny that one. this was, well, yeah, I assumed that this was oh, the no. coffin scene because, you know. Yeah, not, no horny here. I'm like, no, 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 yeah, no horny here. Opposite of horny. Very sad. <laughs> yeah. Extremely sad. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, yeah, this. Uh, yeah, this this, it was thing. funny because I was actually looking up images for because when I I put in images for the doc and I was looking up images for st- different coffin scenes, not the horny one, but only the horny one comes up on Google, right? Because that's like the most popular yeah. one. And I was like, no, 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 I cannot put that in here right now. Yeah, um, but yeah, oh. it's, there's a lot of coffins in uh, in MX. Actually, in all of MXTX's books, there is like something to do with coffins <laughs> or yeah, pits. she definitely has re reoccurring themes throughout her yeah, books. imagery yeah yeah, yeah definitely mm-hmm. uh, yeah. wow uh, i know that we like went through that really quickly but i feel so empty i know it was <laughs> it's it was such a it went so dark like we because like even in the beginning of this episode it was kind of like lighthearted with the conversation and the and the, fun, mm-hmm. the funny blood rain and taunting function and stuff but then it, after chirang we appeared it just got really uh fucked up yeah yeah. yeah, and that poor little boy. I know. He doesn't understand what's going on. All he sees is his dad getting beat up, and he doesn't understand. Chiron really yeah. sucks, man. This is why I hated him for such a long time. Like, he's such a, a terrible person, and he says terrible things. And yeah, he just wants to and bring down people with him. Yeah, he is. He's just definitely wants to. He'll do anything for down. attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh my god i want to know what you guys think about the end of book one mm-hmm. um we're definitely going to keep going right now because yes. y- we're was, only yeah. what like 30 minutes into this podcast. yeah we gotta talk some more <sighs> if you want to pause for a second to think about what just happened in all of this mm-hmm. feel free to and then come back we're about to move on to book two chapter 58 mm-hmm. Oh my god, my heart. Okay, okay. <sighs> Deep breaths. Let's mm-hmm. do this. Gotta reset oh. our mind. Yes, it's no longer dark now. It's gonna be like a whole other mood right now. <laughs> uh, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Okay, book two, book two, chapter 58 on the Marshall Deity Avenue, an awe inspiring first impression. It's the Sangyuan Festival in the kingdom of Shenla. It's the Lantern Festival, final day of the Lunar New Year. There are crowds of people watching the opening ceremony performance on the Marshall Deity Avenue in front of the palace. There are people elbow to elbow on the street and even some watching from the roofs hollering and cheering. Inside the palace are hundreds of people waiting silently for their parade performances to begin. The Guoshi is counting heads to make sure everyone is here and ready. But the most important person, the crown prince, who is playing the god-pleasing martial warrior, is missing. Muqing, who is wearing the costume of a ghost, removes his mask and says, His Highness Crown Prince has left. At this point, Muqing is 17 years old and with a clean and pale face and dark eyes and looks quiet and obedient. The Guoshi almost faints and panics that the parade can't go forward without Chie Liang. Why didn't Muqing stop him? Muqing replies quietly, His Highness told me to pass a message, not to worry, and go as planned. He will return. This makes the Guoshi panic even more. Outside the gates, the people are growing restless as the fortuitous hour is approaching. And if they don't start, if they don't start soon, they're going to miss it. The Goshi is in despair, but Shailion is his pride and joy and the precious crown prince. So he definitely can't beat him up or yell at him. He would kill himself before he did that. Just then, Feng Shen appears. He's also 17 
tall with tan skin and is holding a black bow with a white quiver. The Guoshi grabs him and says, Feng Shen, where is his highness? Feng Shen is shocked and then looks at Mu Qing angrily, but Mu Qing just puts his mask back on. Feng Shen tells the Guoshi that they should start the parade. This is an awful situation. They can't wait any longer, but the parade is missing the main star. The Guoshi is in despair and he signals to start the parade. Strong warriors walk out, followed by beautiful virgin girls tossing flowers. Then there are musicians riding golden carriages. Finally, 16 white horses wearing gold pull out a gold stage, and on the stage is Mu Qing wearing the ghost costume, holding a nine-foot saber. The crowd is confused. Where is the god-pleasing warrior? At the top of a viewing platform is the royal family. The queen looks at the king worriedly, but the king reassures her and says, "'Let's wait and see.'" The crowd is growing restless and shouting. The Guoshi wants to kill himself, but Mu Qing begins to perform and swings the heavy nine-foot saber easily. It is exciting to watch and the crowd cheers. But on the viewing platform, Chirong's angry voice shouts, Where's my cousin? Where? What the hell? Who wants to watch this bullshit? Where the fuck is my cousin, the crown prince? Chirong is dressed in luxurious brocade, 16 years old with a good-looking face, but his face is twisted like he wants to punch someone. He throws a white jade teapot at Mu Qing, but Mu Qing dodges and uses his sword to catch the teapot. The nobles are looking more and more grim, thinking that the festival is ruined without the god-pleasing warrior. But just then, the crowd erupts like a storm as a figure in white descends from the sky and lands on stage. His clothes flutter around like a giant flower, and he's wearing a golden mask. He holds a sword in one hand, calmly striking against the saber. Chirong's face grows red with excitement as he shouts, Crown- Cousin Crown Prince has come! The crowd is stunned by this appearance because it looks like a real god has descended from heaven. Xie Liang has jumped down from a tower over 10 meters tall. The crowd is going wild, and Chirong is also shouting and clapping intensely. The nobles finally sigh in relief and cheer. The performance continues, and the Guoshi finally relaxes and joins the family on the platform. The king chuckles. How did you come up with such an exhilarating entrance? How exciting! But the Guoshi replies, I'm afraid it's his highness's own idea. <laughs> The queen is worried about her son, but the Guoshi reassures her that Xianyang's abilities are extraordinary and that the height is nothing to him. He is truly blessed to be his teacher, and he predicts that this day will go down in history as the most impressive martial match of the god-pleasing ceremony. It's going to go down in history, all right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> In this festival, the god-pleasing warrior and the ghost are the two most important roles. The warrior's costume is strict and elaborate, weighing 50 pounds, and he must perform for at least four hours going around the capital many times with no mistakes. Every move of the performance is painstakingly choreographed and, and practiced to perfection. However, as the crowd cheers for Sherlyon and boos for the ghost, Muching suddenly starts to put more and more power into his saber strikes and makes more unexpected moves. Sherlyon is confused and calls out Muching, but Muching says nothing and continues fighting. Xiaoyan thinks that this is more exciting than pretend fighting, so he gets into the fight. The fight grows intense and the crowd grows more excited until eventually Xiaoyan unarms Mu Qing and flings his saber into a sword pillar. Xiaoyan says cheerfully, you fought well, but you still lost. Mu Qing kneels on the ground with no weapon, his fists tight. Xiaoyan is about to pretend to slay the ghost when there is a scream. Xiaoyan looks up and sees a shadow falling from the city wall, and without thinking, he jumps up and catches the figure from midair, landing gracefully. In his arms is a dirty child, bandages all over his head. Ah! 
Oh so we're seeing everything that happened in detail from yes. chapter one of the first book. Yes, yes, yeah. So do we want to talk a little bit elaborate more about this chapter or should we just keep going? I think that it's if you're noticing like how the different relationships are working mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. this is that like Xiaoyang is obviously this ego-filled, spoiled oh, kid who yeah, wanted to is. look as beautiful as possible. Yep, like yep. everyone want to show married. off. Yeah. <laughs> And also just how important this festival is to the audience and how everyone's considering like the feng shui of everything, right? Oh, like yeah. The, the fortuitous the- hour and all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. fortunes are really important to this like ancient civilization. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like and the Goshi is reason. like... Yeah, and I, I like how they talk about the Goshi's relationship with Shailion. Like he 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 worries about him and he like but he's he's like angry with him, but he can't even like hurt him because like he loves him too much. So he's yeah. like it's he's a he's an interesting character. Yeah. So chapter fifty nine. The child looks eight years old and is very small and skinny. He's shaking after having fallen from a great height, and through the bandages is a large black eye watching Shaylion. The crowd around them gasps because Shaylion's golden mask has fallen off. He had leapt miles forward and behind him the parade is stalled and disrupted. The nobles are panicking and the Guoshi is in despair wondering if he should prostrate on all fours to beg the heavens for forgiveness. Shirong is shouting, what's going on now? What's happening? Why did the procession fall into chaos? What the hell are you useless trash doing? Are you so dumb you can't even hold your horses? The queen is telling someone to hold Chirong back down. <laughs> Freaking Chirong. I Hasn't know. changed at all. Nope. Shadan's face is rarely seen since he's always either in the palace or training in the royal holy pavilion. So the people are staring at him. He looks extremely charming and dignified, handsome and noble, and his aura is bright. Shadan calmly holds the child and raises his sword arm towards the stage. Muqing sees him and leaps off the stage, flies to the crowd to his saber in the pillar and pulls it out. He jumps and lands in front of Xieliang. Xieliang is glad Muqing understood him and they continue their performance in the middle of the crowd. They fake parry until the crowd is distracted and then Muqing grabs the golden mask and runs back towards the stage, telling the other performers to compose themselves and continue the march. The parade finally continues as normal and Xieliang and Muqing are back on stage, but the child is still in Xieliang's arms and he's crying out as they fight. But Xieliang holds him and whispers, don't be scared. The child holds on to Shelion's clothes and shoulders with a death grip. Shelion tells him, don't worry, nothing will hurt you. And he signals to Muqing. And Muqing lets Shelion strike him and he falls to the ground defeated. The parade is saved from the improvising and the procession circles the city to return to the palace. However, as the parade goes back into the palace, the, king, the crowd is overly excited and shoving their way through the palace gates until the king has to finally call for guards to push them out. Xiaolan and Muqing remove their costumes, and Fenshin sees that Xiaolan is still holding the child. Xiaolan says he can't let the child leave now. The people are too excited and he'll get trampled. Xiaolan tries to talk to the child, but the child stays quiet. Muqing says he's probably really scared, and Xiaolan loses interest in the unresponsive child and says, so silly, Fenshin, go find someone to take him out through the side doors and and see if he's injured. And you can kind of see his haughty and spoiled younger personality. Shailan tries to hand the child to Fenshing, but the child refuses to let go. Shailan laughs. He's used to people being interested in him and wanting to stay by his side because he's so <laughs> popular. And the performance around him teased Shailan that the child is the same. Shailan says, this won't do. I've got things to do. Just go home, little kid. The child finally lets go and Fenshin picks him up. 
Everyone around them notices the child staring intently at Xielan, but Xielan isn't even looking at the child anymore. Fenchen tells Xielan that he needs to face the Guoshi. I, I, I think it's really interesting how Xielan is just like so whatever about this situation, whereas like for the child, it's like a whole- A core memory. Yeah, a core memory for sure. Like Xielan probably doesn't even remember this. <sighs> An hour later in the Royal Holy Pavilion, the Guoxi and his three deputies are sitting with grave faces. Muqing is kneeling in front of the Guoxi, and Xielian is kneeling before the statue of the great martial god, with Fengxian kneeling behind him. Because Xielian is a prince, he is not able to like kneel before anyone but the gods. So it is extra terrible that the kneeling statues from the previous uh, the previous oh. book that we were talking about of Xielian were created. Like literally as a prince, he's not allowed to kneel in front of anybody. Oh, wow. And here he is uh, in, the, in like, and but Chirong had made all those kneeling statues. So that's really fucked up. <sighs> yep. Um, so the Guoshi looks, yeah, <laughs> the Guoshi looks pained as he says, never in the history of Shanla has the grand stage only circled the capital thrice, thrice. Every circle around the city symbolizes one year of peace and happiness. The ceremony isn't needed for as many years as they're able to circle the city. So the more they do it, the more money they save and the more the more they signify good fortune. However, Shelion only circled three times. And on top of that, his golden mask of the God-pleasing warrior had fallen off. This mask mm. is important because the people believe that only the gods have the right to see the performer's true face. And he must wear a mask to hide it from the mortals. And like literally everyone saw him. <laughs> so the yeah. Goshi continues to say that the past performer circled at least five times and at most 15. And Shelion has the ability to do 50 or 100, but he only managed three. It's interesting how this is a direct correlation with like mm-hmm. what happens in the story long term because yes. Yes. it's showing that he falls from grace and the mask falling off his face is kind of like the same as him losing face losing mm-hmm. the respect of the people and everyone mm-hmm. seeing him for who he is oh yes that's a really good uh, that's a really good point yeah the guoshi says our dear highness the crown prince is going to go down in history dragging me along with you but shelan replies calmly if the child fell to his death spilling blood on the parade wouldn't that be ominous at the very least the ceremony ended decently let's just call this an accident but the guoshi is angry and says that there are so many guards somebody else could have caught him but shelan counters that no one but him could have reacted as fast and no one could have caught him without injuries his words are full of confidence and the guoshi knows he's right but he's still angry and at the same time full of pride he just can't stay angry at his precious little disciple, and he pulls his own hair frustratedly. <laughs> oh, man, this Goshi. Then the Goshi says, Another thing. Why did you change the start of the ceremony without warning? What if we miss the fortuitous hour? Xianlian looks confused and says, Haven't I already asked for your permission before today? The Guoxi is taken aback and Xiaoyan turns to Mu Qing. Uh-oh. Mu Qing, why are you Uh-oh, so bad at yeah. your job? Mu Qing, what did you do? <laughs> Chapter 60, Lost Red Pearl, Inadvertent Eyes Red with Desire. Fenshin speaks up and says that Xiaoyan did mention it a couple of days ago. Xiaoyan had been thinking about the parade and came up with an idea to jump off the tower to simulate a god descending. He was practicing and so he sent Mu Qing to tell the Guoxi about the new plan. Mu Qing had told Xie Liang that the Guoxi was informed and got permission. 
The Guoshi obviously didn't know about the plan, neither did the other three deputies, so he turns to Muqing angrily and asks if he purposefully withheld communication. The Guoshi and Fenshin think that Muqing did it on purpose and have a very low opinion of him. But Shelan comes to his defense. He says that Muqing is not stupid. If he did it on purpose, they would have found out later. And if the warrior is missing, that would have been disadvantageous for his role as the ghost. So let's hear Muqing's side of the story. So Muqing speaks up softly and he says that he did pass the message to the Goshi. He had gone yesterday to the pavilion where the four teachers were resting. Muching had spoken his message through the window, but it turns out that the four teachers were secretly playing card games instead of meditating, <laughs> and they were so distracted by their game that they didn't hear Muching's voice. But the Goshi frowns and says, well, Muching, you could have passed the message to the disciple out the main door. Why did you say it through the window? Muqing replies softly that he did try, but the disciple outside the, fa- outside the front door was being difficult with him, and he wouldn't let him pass or pass on the message, and instead he kicked him out. He had no choice but to go around and try to pass the message through the window. He had heard the Guoshi say, I understand, now leave. So he took that as acceptance. The Guoshi is quiet. He probably said, I understand, offhandedly while they were distracted by their card game. Shelan is upset that the disciple was rude to Muqing. And why didn't Muqing tell him what happened yesterday? But Muqing knows that he is disliked because the Guoshi dislikes him. And so the other students follow their teacher's lead and dislike him too. He doesn't want Shelan to interfere because if it if he turns this into a big deal and gives him special treatment, he'll get bullied more. Fenshin doesn't really believe that Muqing didn't have ulterior motives and argues with him. He thinks he intentionally created this miscommunication to make Shelan look bad. Shelan tells him to stop arguing, and the Goshi feels like it's also his fault, so he dismisses them to end the topic. Before they leave, the Goshi tells Shelan to pay a visit to his parents. I, I like how Goshi is like, oh shit, this is actually my fault. So he's like, let's just change the fucking topic. <laughs> like, <laughs> and So much miscommunication. I know, I know. And uh, I kind of feel bad for Mooching in this, in this all of book two at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, he gets misunderstood a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's just a whole deal. Like he's doing one thing, but everyone thinks he has like ulterior motives or is being evil or something. Yeah. The three of them go into Shaelion's room, and Shaelion stands with his arms open so that Muqing can remove his costume. The costume is very intricate, has many layers, and it's very difficult to remove. But Muqing is his personal attendant, while Fengxin is a bodyguard. So Muqing is doing this task alone before he can even remove his own ghost costume. Shaelion is a prince, so naturally he isn't expected to do anything to help, but he just stands there. And, <laughs> yep, this is just how it is, I guess. Like, this is how royalty is. Like, they're just, they don't do anything. They don't lift a finger, and Muqing has to do everything nope. by himself. <laughs> <laughs> Once the costume is off, Shelion sits on the bed waiting for Muqing to bring him fresh clothes. But Muqing delays because he notices that there's dirt on the costume. It's dirty handprints from that one that from when that bandage kid was clinging on to him. Fengxin complains that when he took the kid out of the palace, he kicked him in the shin and ran away before Fengxin could even take a look at his face. Muqing thinks that the dirty costume is a really bad omen. But Shelion isn't bothered and says, well, if it's dirty, it's dirty. Just wash it. Muqing replies quietly, I will do my best to be careful when I wash it. 
Xie Liang then comments that Mu Qing fought well during the parade, and Mu Qing tenses up, probably thinking he's getting criticized. But Xie Liang compliments him and says that he's suited for the saber rather than a sword. Mu Qing smiles a little proudly, and the two of them get into a deep discussion about weapons. Xie Liang is so excited about the topic that he runs around the room with no shoes, doing <laughs> saber demonstrations. Fenshin shouts at him, if you're going to show off, at least put on your shoes. You're the crown prince. Hair loose and bare feet. What a disgrace. Shailan is annoyed and returns to bed and moves to tie up his hair when suddenly he says, that's weird. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, so chapter 61, uh, Shailan realizes that one of his earrings is missing. They were a pair of priceless red coral pearls. Immediately, Muqing's face freezes, but Fengxin and Shailan begin to search around the room, and, but they can't find it. Shailan isn't too bothered, but Muqing begins to sweep and he says, that pearl is too precious. Why don't we call for a few more hands to help? Fengxin says, that's a bad idea because what if people steal it? At those words, Muqing cracks his broom in half. He says, why don't you tell me straight what it is you want to say instead of casting shadows? I have nothing to do with the lost pearl. Fengxin is indignant and says, what did I say? I didn't say you stole it, but you got all flustered. What? Are you feeling guilty? Xieleon is alarmed and tells Fengxin to shut up. He tries to pacify Muqing and says, Fengxin's comments were offhanded. He wasn't directing them at you. Ooh. And just keep in mind what Xieleon's doing. He's like being on Muqing's side about this. However, Muqing's eyes are red as if he's about to cry as he tells Xieleon, you don't keep your promises. Xieleon is even more alarmed at these words and tells him he's wrong. But Muqing runs out of the room. Fenshin thinks that Muqing is being weird and they should leave him alone. But Shailan says that this is a big misunderstanding and that Fenshin accidentally said the wrong thing and they need to go find him to talk to him. Fenshin is confused and then angrily asks Shailan if he did steal something. And that's why Muqing is asking that. And that's why Muqing is acting that way. Shailan denies it and reluctantly explains what had happened. It has to do with an incident when he lost a gold foil leaf two years ago when he first entered the Royal Holy Pavilion. Xielan had begged his parents to let him enter the Royal Holy Pavilion to learn cultivation. Two years ago, he was finally granted permission and he moved in with very few possessions. However, the queen was worried that he would be bored while training, so she sent over 20 servants and four carriages full of trinkets that he liked, including a set of 108 gold foil leaves for a gold foil palace. His mom spoiled him so much. It's like a rich mom sending her son off to college with a bunch of useless expensive stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm just here to learn. And she's like, no, 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 you're going to be bored. Here's like a bunch of bullshit <laughs> and gold and servants. Um, this action caused a lot of unrest among the other disciples. They assumed that Xieleon was just there to play instead of study seriously. Fengxin was really angry about the rumors, but Xieleon was unbothered and confidently said uh, he would become number one disciple to shut them all up. Xieleon sent away as much of the carriage and servants as he could, but he discovered that one of the 108 gold foil leaves was missing possibly stolen. When the Guoshi found out, he was enraged that someone would be so greedy as to steal at the Royal Holy Pavilion. He stopped all activity to do room searches. It was a very tiring and exhausting affair. But halfway through, Xieleon suddenly said, oh, he remembered he actually lost the gold leaf back at the palace, so it wasn't stolen. Not surprisingly, this made all the disciples even more annoyed with him and created more bad gossip. Fenshin was furious, but Xieleon told him to let it go. 
Over time, Shelan was able to change things around as he became the number one disciple over the other 3,000 disciples. He also had a friendly and easygoing personality, so his reputation improved. But what had really happened was that during the trip to the Holy the Royal Holy Pavilion, one of the gold leaves fell out of the carriage and Mu Ching happened to find it in the bushes. He kept it under his bed to return later, but that very night, the Guoxi had ordered the room searches. Mu Ching was worried everyone would assume he stole it and kept quiet. Xiaodan noticed that Mu Ching looked distraught and ended up finding out what happened, and so he lied to everyone that he forgot the leaf. Hearing this truth, Fengxin is enraged. So many people talk shit about Xiaodan during that time. But Xiaodan says that the situations are very different. He is a prince. He has a different place in life. If he made a mistake, there would be very little consequences. But Mu Ching is a servant, and people already dislike him. If people thought he was a thief too, his life would basically be over. He says the consequences cannot be compared. And this is really interesting class commentary because, yeah, in in our society, two people can commit a crime, but depending on their class or their status, the punishments could be very different and the public perception can be very different. Like over time... Mm -hmm. The higher class person's reputation can improve, but that lower class person's reputation is like forever in the mud. And that's like all they're known for. It's fucked up. Xiaodan tells Fenshin that he has to swear not to tell anyone the truth because he had promised Mu Ching that he would keep it secret. Fenshin argues that it was Mu Ching's own guilty conscience that made him freak out and give himself away. But Xiaodan says, no, no, you promise me right now that this stops here. Otherwise, I'll break up my relationship with you and you'll be cursed to never find a wife. <laughs> oh, foreshadow. Yeah. Fenshin laughs and says, you break up with me? The day after our breakup, everyone in the kingdom will know one thing. His Highness the Crown Prince fainted from overly tightened suspenders while dressing himself. Fine, I won't say a word. Who gives a shit about gossip anyways? So yeah, it's a foreshadowing of the friendship, the curse, um, reveals about how spoiled Shedan is that he can't even dress himself without servants. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack in that short conversation. Um. Fengxin also comments that Mu Qing's moods and thoughts are twisted, like a concubine in a harem. <laughs> he probably assumed that Xiaoyan had told the secret to Fengxin a long time ago, and that's why Fengxin picks on him. Even though this isn't true, Fengxin never knew about the secret until just now. He also thinks that Mu Qing is responsible for the incident with the Guoxi and purposefully mess up the prey to make Xiaoyan look bad. But then Xianlian reveals that he actually knew that Mu Qing was disliked by other disi- by the other disciples. So he's been purposely sending him on more errands so that people would think he's important to the prince and therefore be nicer to him. However, he only ended up getting more bullied. Mm. So it's it makes sense that he's being upset and moody right now. However, Fengxin still disagrees and says, why is it your fault that he's moody? Your Highness, I really don't understand why you think so highly of him. Shenan just grins and responds, Fenshin, did you know there are so many people in this world that there are nothing but rocks in my eyes? Rocks are everywhere, but precious jades are hard to come by. When it comes to martial arts, I've only seen two people who could be called jades. One is you and the other is him. He thinks that Muqing is actually extremely talented and precious, and that's why he promoted him to become his personal attendant. When before he was just a general servant at the pavilion, he says, ones that are destined to shine... I must let them shine. Besides, I don't believe that good will bring bad returns. This is the lesson he's been trying to impart on Lan Qingcho, even though later on he learns that it's bullshit, trying to pass the, his old and youthful optimism to his student. Uh, yeah. 
he he he's really optimistic at this time. He's like, yeah, if you're a good person, like nothing bad will happen. And woof, sweet summer child. <laughs> yeah, sweet summer child. <laughs> Eventually, they come across some students who say that Muqing was seen in the cherry forest. The forests are special because these fruit trees are nourished by the mountain springs and mists, so they create fruit filled with spiritual aura. They are worth a hundred gold pieces just for one piece of fruit. The majority of the fruit are offered as tribute to the palace, but students are allowed to snack on any extra. They enter the woods to look for Muqing, but as they get closer, they hear fighting voices. I'm so tempted to continue. There's so much with Muqing right now. I know. I'm. Hold on, let me look at where the last chapter ends. Okay. I think this is a good place to spot, stop because later on they go into what's going on with Muqing. There's so much with Muqing. This is Muqing's arc. I know. This is, yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> we get to, this is, this like, when I first read the book and I learned about Muqing and his personality, like, he kind of, like, threw me off and I was, like, really annoyed with him. And I thought he was really suspicious. I actually thought he was the bad guy. Yeah. Because they keep hinting, like, that he has, like, ulterior motives and Fengshin always says that he's happy when Xiaolian is is suffering so i was like oh is muching the bad guy but then when i read this i was like oh no muching even if you're the bad guy i understand you're being bullied and i fucking i'm so sorry yeah. that you're being bullied like i feel bad for him no one likes him he's <sighs> so misunderstood and he misunderstands he everyone yes yeah there's so much miscommunication and and he has he's like the representation of class divide mm-hmm. because he's the only character in the entire series that comes from a poor background like he's the yeah. only one that was a servant or like a beggar mm-hmm. and everyone else had like royal upbringing even if they suffered later they all all had like pretty noble noble upbringing that is so true Muching is, yeah he's the yeah, only god yeah. that was he's the only one a commoner. like a normal person yeah yeah <sighs> very sad very very sad he was nobody yeah, <laughs> yeah. Man. Uh, it's so interesting though that like even though Shadan has this like bubbly personality, he kind of surrounded himself mm-hmm. with people who didn't have bubbly personalities. Yeah, he that's what he like. He's his even when he told Hua Cheng, like all he cares about is like talent. And like if he likes someone, he likes someone. He doesn't care what their background is. Like that's how he said he's, he doesn't care if Hua Cheng is a ghost. He doesn't care if Mu Qing is a servant. Like as long as you like someone, he'll, he'll like them. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So that, he's always been like that, even as a youth. It's just too That's bad nice. that he doesn't choose people who treat him well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he might have like <laughs> he might have brought in the wrong people just under false pretenses. Everyone in his <laughs> life is toxic if you think about it. Like uh, literally, nobody is untoxic. Watching <laughs> just yeah. Well, Hotran just devotes himself to him. Yeah, even yeah. Shi Chuan is kind of toxic if you think about it. <laughs> really? How do how how so? Like. He, if you, he wasn't like a friend group. He'd probably be the one just like kind of causing a lot of drama because he's bored. (laughs) (laughs) Deep drama, just like artificial, petty, like silly drama because he's bored. Like that's what I see Chichuan as. So, oh really? I, I, my perspective of him is like he's like he's like the popular girl in school, but like he, everyone thinks he's kind of like an airhead and like really friendly and really nice, but like deep down, like he knows how to manipulate people and like he knows like what makes people tick and he knows how to like manipulate like social perspective, like perception. So like he's actually like really smart, even though everyone thinks he's like an airhead. It still makes like that's my perspective. Of him. That is a little yeah, but I I I can't. I have to give Chi Chong props because like he defends Shelion to yes. death. Like even though Shelion was getting like antagonized by like 
Junwoo and like Paiming and like literally everyone, he's always like saying, "Hey, no, 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 like I'm gonna defend my homie. Like he's my he's my best friend. So like I'm gonna defend you." So I don't know. And that makes me that makes me like him because he's like really loyal. Oh, yeah, to I like love. his friend group. Ooh, yeah, I love him. So I love Shishu so Shuan out of everyone right so now. Good. Like so far, yeah, best character. He's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> And they're all so good. Like, I like them all for such different reasons. Like, even Wu Ching, like, even though he's, like, so prickly and, like, and angry, like, he's, like, a cat. Like, he's, like, mm. he just doesn't get along with anybody. And he's, like, really, like, he doesn't like anyone. He's, like, he wants to be alone. He's prickly. But, like, deep down, like, he has, like, a lot of feelings. <laughs> he just doesn't know how to express himself. Like, such a synthetic. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so mm-hmm. good. So what is your oh, off topic this week? Oh, uh, my gosh. Okay, hold on. Let me think about my off topic. You, you go Oh, wait, uh, wait, hold on. No, yeah, can you go first? <laughs> okay, so let's see. I've still been reading a ton of BL. I've been getting into okay. fan fiction. Um, I've been, uh, let's see, there's one that I read that was from um, Grandmaster of Demonic Cultivation. Okay. You might have read this because it was one of the Remind most us. highest rated one. And it was... Yes. Um, everyone in the cultivation, this is right after Weying's death, um, and okay. everyone in the cultivation world finds a pearl that, like is a memory ball and so they okay. all watch the memories of Wei Ying. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like the unre- uh, the reveal of like everything he went through. Yeah. So it like watches <laughs> his life through his eyes and his emotions and they feel all of yeah. his emotions and they basically learn the truth from Wei Ying's perspective and <sighs> everyone yeah. is like so sad and depressed and feels yeah. so bad for wronging Wei Ying and kind of realize yeah. that everything is like Jing Jing daddy's uh, fault. Jing Guangshan. Yeah, Jing yeah. Guangshan's fault um, and like persecutes Jing and kind of avoids yeah. like all of the calamities that happens in like the yes. latter half of the story. I, I haven't Perfect. finished it yet because okay. uh, it kind of drops off towards the end for me, in my opinion, but maybe I'll just continue. Okay. Does it, do you know if it ends really well? Um, I don't remember because that's some of the ones that I've read like super like two years ago, yeah. <laughs> like really early on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, I, I, I think it's really interesting that um, so this is a tag called Fix It's where ah. they get all the drama from the show and they're like our character our baby boy suffered so much like let's fix it in a fanfic so he doesn't suffer so much mm-hmm. and that's like a really popular tag like the fix it tag because they just want to see like everything being revealed they want that validation of like listen wait we shot did nothing wrong and we're gonna fucking prove it like and they write all these fanfics about it to like kind of validate him and like show everyone like the truth earlier so he's not suffering i love that yeah what i really like it's a little satisfying it's so satisfying and what i really love about it is seeing everything from lanzan's perspective and Uh seeing just how much lanzan like suffered over the you know the death of Wei Ying. (laughs) he really did yeah there's so much angst anything that has to do with him like living through the like 17 years or whatever that way which i was gone like it's always like so angsty it's so good i know there was this really great quote that was like, it's been one uh-huh. year, one month, and one day since his heart died. It's been one year, oh, one month, and one yes. day since the last time he saw Wei Ying. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Oh, wow. man. The, dude, the fa- I'm telling you, some of these fanfic writers, they're so good yes. at just the fucking the language. Like, it's Absolutely. so... It strikes you so strongly in the chest and it makes you cry. <laughs> like, I will this say I'm surprised okay. at how I hardly ever read bad fanfics. Like maybe it might not like yeah, the story, but I, I really like the uh-huh. writing in general. Every the single one's writing has been fantastic. I think you're still in the early stages where you're only reading like the really good ones. I, <laughs> but like, yeah. yeah, I've been, I've been, I'm kind of at the point where I've read like 
80% of like any of the things. So like right now I'm like just like the only fanfics that I read now are ones that I've known, like the the authors that I already know that I know produce good work that I continue to write fanfics. Because now if I try to find something, it's like, oh, I already read that or, oh, it's really terrible. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm like, you started reading stuff on Wattpad. Um, a lot of things that from Wattpad gets transferred over to archive. Okay. So it's kind of like uh, pretty similar, but yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I was good. thinking, I was wondering if Wattpad good. had like a different set of fandom, like people that just live um, on Wattpad and not live on AO3. Yeah. I've, I've noticed that like a lot of the fix that I read at the, at the author's notes, they link to their Wattpad version. So it's like, I think they cross post. Cool. So they're everywhere. I also yeah. like Wattpad I don't because think I'm some of their stuff yeah. has the audio like reading to you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They do that. Yes. The uh, audio version. Oh, yeah. so nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially for me because I don't even read anymore. I just listen. If you look up the tag on Archive of Our Own Podfic, that's people who read out the <gasps> fan fiction. That's like a whole ass tag. Okay, perfect. So it's, it's literally the on the page instead of writing, it's just like an audio file, and you just press play, and it just starts beautiful. It for you. That makes my life so yeah. much easier. It's a good thing to find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, good, good shit. Good, good shit. <laughs> Uh, okay, so my one more thing is also a fanfic, but this is a fanfic that I kind of want to, uh, later on, maybe I'll expand as a, uh, bottom of the show because it's, this one was really good and it's, it's like one of those really long ones and it's so rare to find a really long good fic because people use, usually write like, like 10,000 words, like pretty short, like something you can read like in an hour or 10 minutes or 30 minutes. So this one was like a two, three day fic for me because wow. it was so long. It's a hundred, it's over a hundred thousand words. It's, it's long wow. and it's full of world building. It's full of character development and it's like amazing. And I like, I loved living in this world and um, it's, it has to do with cultivation, but it's cultivation in a modern setting. It's also an untamed fanfic, mm. um, but they have, it, they made a twist on it because they're, they're cultivators, but they're also cultivators who some of the cultivators are uh, inhuman. Like they are uh, Huli Jing, which are like uh, nine-tailed foxes okay. or there are earth elemental, elementals or there are water elementals. There's dragons. There's like different, like, like, you know, superhuman people on, on top of their being like regular people and cultivators. So it's like a little twist on it. Um, it's really good. Um, I, I, okay. So the, I'll give you a brief summary of it because I don't want to get too far into it, uh, without like spoiling it. Um, but basically Wei Wuxian is a Huli Jing. He's a nine-tailed fox, but he's the last of his kind because the nine-tailed foxes, their people were prosecuted and, and murdered because their bones um, people thought they had like special healing properties. So they've been like, they were considered like, like medicine so people his entire like clan has been like hunted down for for medicine purposes so he's became he was like an orphan and he got adopted into the, the jong family which is like pretty canon so far to the untamed um but then uh he's also like an emergency room doctor and he during one of his shifts there's like a huge car accident and there's like a huge a lot of bunch of people are going to the emergency room and he finds out that there's a kid there that he also discovers is a huli jing like him it's another it's like the first time he's seen any one of his kind in like 20 something years um so he's really excited. That kid ends up being uh, Lan Shizhui, mm-hmm. <laughs> who is uh, Lan Chan's like son. Um, but it turns out that Lan Shizhui, he is a Huli Jing, but he doesn't know he's a Huli Jing because there's a curse on him that like uh, 
keeps away his Huijing power. So even he doesn't know that he was a Huijing, but Wei Wishan knows because he's the only Huijing that exists and he can smell it on him. Um, so they work together to like figure out what this curse is, why he's cursed and like, and, and it's a, it's a, it's like a fic of like Lanjan and Wei falling mm-hmm. in love over it because like, of course it is, but it's, it, there's so much more to it than what I just said, because that's just like the tip of the iceberg. It gets, it gets so it gets so dark and it gets so angsty and so deep in the, in the world building and the lore that like, I can't believe it. This is so good. And it's new. Mm -hmm. Like she just wrote this, like it was completed July 24th. Like that was four days ago. Like, so, um, it's a brand new long fic, which is so rare right now because it's 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 so hard to find long fics. It's so hard to find like writers still writing for Murazushi, uh, because it's like two years old. Yeah, um, and it's wow, it's really good. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. Okay, yeah. cool. I want to I want to do a, a bottom of the show with like the whole chapter summary. I and, mean, like, tell you about the story later if you're ready right now. Yeah. We're gonna. Then I, I I will do this for later because I have another one that I have for okay, the other show cool. that I already wrote out. But this is one of those ones I'm like I'm ready to reread this again to resummarize it because it's so good, <laughs> so good. Yeah. Well, awesome. Speaking of bottom show, if you guys know that we have a Patreon where you can subscribe and we have extra episodes called the Bottom Show as well as an yes. uncut version of this podcast so you can hear how many mistakes we make. Oh God, we made so many mistakes this time. I think it's because I was like so into the emotions of that the sad parts of the scene that I was like, I couldn't speak. I couldn't speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And supporting us on Patreon pays for hosting the um, podcast mm-hmm. on our different like podcasting website thingies that we do and uh, mm-hmm. helping us continue to do the podcast. Yeah. Cause like we love it and yeah. stuff. Yeah. We love it. Yeah. It's so fun. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you also follow us on Twitter where we'll be posting updates as well as memes and shit that we like. <laughs> Mostly retweeting fan art. <laughs> I yeah. feel like That's true. so good. Yeah. Uh, and as Junwoo said, Shanla, in this matter, you really worked hard for nothing and pleased no one. <sighs> Bye, everybody. Bye.